So one of the things that we need to ask ourselves, now Hebrews chapter 7 deals with Melchizedek, and I was praying about this, and as we leave here tonight, and the whole chapter's about him, and, and I don't know, I doubt we'll get through the whole chapter tonight. It's, it's so rich, and we need, do need to go a little bit slower on, on some of the things and think about. But as we think about the importance of this man, Melchizedek, and that he brings up, the importance of it being, if, if you go with me to this place, and any time we start our study in Hebrews, uh, I like to take us to the right mind frame that we need to be in of why Hebrews was written, realizing what the purpose was behind it. Now, in, in our days today, imagine, just imagine a, a one of your friends, uh, let's call him Bob, who's uh, an Orthodox Jew or somebody who professes that they believe in Jesus Christ, but they want to go back into the things of the Mosaic Law. They want to go either and observe those things. They, they may believe in Jesus, but they want to observe all of the, the law, the traditions, the feasts. They, they want to put their wife in a burqa. They, they, they want to do all of the, the Old Testament ways. And I don't know how many of you all know people that I, I actually know somebody who did do that. They went back into that messianic Judaism. And so when we start thinking about, okay, this letter was really written to those to show the superiority and the finality of Jesus Christ over those things. Now imagine going to your friend who may have been a Jew his whole life and going to your friend and saying, you know, your entire religion base is a shadow is a picture of Jesus Christ. The whole thing. Now think about that for a minute. As we were coming here downtown, we were a little late, uh, but uh, April, I told you I was going to bring this up, April saw a billboard on the right-hand side, and she goes, that man is not an attorney. And look at the way he's dressed, look at his face. And I said, you're right, that, that's not an attorney. That's a picture of an attorney. And so, you know, I thought it was funny, but she didn't laugh. And, uh, but I got to thinking, you know what? There's so many pictures in the Old Testament of Jesus Christ, the Messiah who would come. Now think about this with me. Bl the blood of bulls and goats never saved anybody. Now think about that. All those sacrifices they did in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, the Ten Commandments never saved anybody. No one has ever been saved by keeping the Ten Commandments. And that's still true today. Now, when we start talking about the New Covenant, now think about this with me. We know what the New Covenant is. The New Covenant was ratified by the blood of Jesus Christ. Right? How were people saved in the Old Testament if they weren't saved by keeping the law? They weren't saved by the sacrifices of the Old Covenant, of the blood and, and the bulls and goats. Now, those things appease the wrath of God, but they never were intended to take away sin. They were always a shadow of what Jesus would do. But if that's true, how were they saved in the Old Testament? Because there was the New Covenant in the Old Testament. It was concealed 
all of it looked forward to Jesus Christ and his shed blood. Him coming in the fullness of time. And all of that. Now, Abraham, how was Abraham saved? Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. How could Abraham be righteous in the eyes of God in any amount of time, any time and place in history? It's because of the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ that on the cross he would ratify the new covenant. So the new covenant isn't new in time. It's just to distinguish it from the old covenant and that covenant was a covenant of works that no one was ever righteous. Okay, so think about that. The new covenant doesn't mean that it's new. Like God just thought it up one day. It was new, it was called new to distinguish it from the covenant of works which man could never keep. So even in the Old Testament they were saved the same way we're saved today. Except they looked toward Christ and his shed blood and we look back. Now, you're talking to a Jew who is in the system of the symbol. I mean, that is quite a large pill to swallow, isn't it? Think about that. Thousands of years. I mean, well, you had Abraham to Moses, which was about 430 years. And then uh, Abraham had Isaac and Jacob. And then Jacob had his 12 sons, the 12 tribes of Israel, right? So within the 12 tribes of Israel, you had Judah, Benjamin, Levi, Reuben. You had all of the, 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 the 12 sons. Well, in the tribe of Levi, eventually, some 450 years after Abraham, uh, after Joseph uh, went into Egypt and after Israel, the whole uh, the country followed Joseph afterwards, and then they were there 400 years, and then after that you had Moses, right? So Moses was the deliverer that brought him out, and then Moses was given the law, the Mosaic law. So before the most, so what you had was at that point, God is saying in Genesis, hey, Moses, I want you to take the tribe of Levite and uh, consecrate them, separate them from the other 11 brothers. They are going to offer, they're going to have an office. And within that, that, Levi, within that Levite tribe, only the descendants of Aaron could be the high priest. Now, the high priest is very, very important uh, as you read through the Old Testament because the high priest was the go-between between God and man, common man. Man, or man could not approach God. A man still cannot approach God because we have sin. And so we needed a representative. We needed somebody. So God said, designate the, the children of Aaron to be the, high, the priest, not just the high priest, but the priest. The, now remember, the, the other children of the Levites, they did more of administration of the tabernacle and the temple, and they did those kind of things. But only the children of Aaron could be the priest. So this priest, and God had very specific instructions, very specific that this high priest was to dress a certain way, and to move a certain way, and he had to thoroughly wash before he could ever go into the presence of the Holy of Holies. He couldn't sit down. He had to keep moving, and he could not go into the Holy of Holies without the blood. He had to have the blood, and there he would uh, 
sprinkle the blood upon the mercy seat that was in the Holy of Holies, and that's where God dwelt. Nobody went into the Holy of Holies except one man once a year. And he could only do that until he was 50 years old. And then another priest, high priest had to take over. This is Moses, right? And then from Moses, you had the Mosaic Law. Moses was given the law. Then God instructed them to make the tabernacle. And then all of the feasts were introduced. And, and all of the Mosaic system. So... When we have somebody who's still in Judaism, they're observing Moses. They're observing the Mosaic Law and all of these things. So the priest was a very important and vital person to a Jew who was under the Mosaic system. Okay? Very important because that was not only the person who represented them for the forgiveness of sins. Now, obeying the law was very important. But guess what? They broke the law. So what did they need? They needed forgiveness. Obeying the law was good, but sacrifices were essential. And they, I mean, they, they gave so much prestige to the high priest. Think about it in Jesus' day. How much prestige the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the high priest had back in those days. I mean, not only were, was that their representative to God for the forgiveness of sins, but that was their leaders. That was the Jewish leaders were the high priest. So, think about this also. I mean, uh, even Paul. Uh, when Paul was there in front of Ananias, and Ananias said, uh, strike him on the mouth. And uh, they struck Paul, and Paul didn't know he was the high priest. And he turned, and he said, God, smite you. And someone said, does thou reply us against the high priest? And Paul said, I didn't know it was the high priest because it is written, you should not speak evil of your ruler. So the high priest was a ruler. Now, Bob, your friend Bob, let's say it's in the time of the high priest back in Jerusalem, that there is a better priesthood than Levi. What? There's a better priesthood than Aaron. Remember, to them, that was their world. There's a better priesthood, and it's Melchizedek. And they know who Melchizedek is because David prophesied that the Lord said to my Lord, sit down on my right hand in Psalm 110. And he said, thou shalt be called the high priest after the order of Melchizedek forever. So now we've gotten into, and so far in Hebrews, we've seen the arguments, right? And if, if you look at it closely, the argument is Jesus is better. He's the fulfillment. He's the fulfillment of prophecy. He is better. And if you look at the, where it starts in Hebrews 1, where, where does he start at? He starts at the angels. Jesus is better than any divine being that's ever been created. Now, remember... God created all things, Elohim. It's the plural. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They created it all, all the universe. There was nothing made that was not made by them. That includes the, the, the angels. So before everything, there was nothing but them. 
So notice the order that Hebrews goes into, and we know that the whole theme is Jesus is better, Jesus is better. He starts with the divine beings of the angels. Jesus is better than the angels. They're created. They're the worship Jesus. Then he goes to man. So Jesus is not just better than the angels. He's better than Moses. He's better than Joshua. And then from man, he goes to the offices. Jesus is better than the offices that was created, that was, that was put down in the Old Testament because they all were pointed to Jesus Christ. They were the picture of Christ. And then the, pic, the person of the picture came and dwelt among us. But the Jews kept wanting to hold on to the pictures, even though the person of the picture was walking by. So... They wanted to, okay, well, we'll, well, okay, that's Messiah, but we want all of this stuff. We want to keep all this stuff. And then what they don't realize is they were foreshadows. So now you are writing, and this is what Hebrews is. It's arguments. Uh, now he's writing in chapter 7 about the difference, how the, Mel, the Melchizedek priesthood was better than the Aaron priesthood that was by the law. So chapter 7, verse 1, I know... Um, for new ground, for us to break tonight, uh, I hope we get through verses 4 through 10. But if, if we look at verse 1 through 3 again, just real quickly, so we catch up to where we are. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham, returning from the slaughter of the kings, and blessed him. Now remember, this man Melchizedek, he is a man. A lot of people think, well, he's an angel or he's a Christophany. Now, Chris, Melchizedek was a man that we don't have a lot of recorded history about. I believe God had uh, intentionally left out information about this man in his, in his office. We only have it in Genesis chapter 14. That's what he's talking about, the slaughter of the kings. And we don't have to go there again. Uh, I think January 10th was when we went over this last time. And if you want to go over it a lot more deeper, we do on the January 10th recording. But notice what it says about Melchizedek. He is the king of Salem and a priest. Now that's already different than the priesthood of Aaron. Um, The Levites, there were no kings in Levites. They, They couldn't even own land. Everything that the Levites received, they received through tithe. The Levites were not supposed to be landowners, and uh, they were subject to the king. Now look, already Melchizedek is a king priest. So, and he says, priest of the most high God. Remember we talked about that last time too. The most high God is El Elyon. So El means God, Elyon means the most high. And uh, Melchizedek was the priest of the most high God, and he, that meaning his name was universal. It wasn't just Israel's God. It was the whole world's God. He's the most high God. Even Abraham, when he talks about this in Genesis chapter 14, he uses both uses of the word Lord, Jehovah, and he uses El Elyon. So to distinguish between the two. So Melchizedek was the priest of God, the universal God over the whole world. Not just the nation, not just the specific nation of Israel. Um, let me go over here. Uh, let me turn my notes a little bit. So, uh, also, 
he was the royal priest, and we know that there was no king that came. Uh, we already talked about that. Now, also see that who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation king of righteousness, and after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace. Now, Melchizedek's name means king of righteousness, if you were to translate it. Also, uh, notice when he says that king of Salem... Um, that Salem means peace. Uh, well, it's, it's, you know, it's an early name for Jerusalem, even though there wasn't Jerusalem uh, yet. But Melchizedek was a king of righteousness and of peace. So if we distinguish that by, I mean, just think about the, the priesthood of Aaron. And he does talk about that a lot more in chapter 5, which we already looked at. We already looked at the Levitical priesthood and they could not supply everlasting righteousness. They, they could not supply peace. Peace only comes from righteousness. The only way to have peace with God is to have the righteousness of God. And we have that through Jesus Christ. Now, that's also a distinction. Because he talked about the, the priests after the order of Aaron, they would, give, they would offer gifts and sacrifices, but they would also offer sacrifices for their own sins. And so the things they were doing, they were holy. They were of God. And I'm not belittling what God told them to do because they did it and they had to do it perfectly or they died. And so I'm not saying that they, they weren't devoted or any of those things. But what they did not possess was the ability to offer once and for all sacrifices. They had to go once a year. Um, and their priesthood was one of a dying priesthood. They would die. So another man would have to replace them. So in verse 2, we see a big difference. The king of righteousness, and after that, the king of Salem. Verse 3, without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abideth the priest continually. Did Melchizedek end up dying? Yes. He was a man, but his priesthood has not. There is no recorded history of Melchizedek's mom, his dad, when, how long he lived, when he died, or any of those things. It's open because the priesthood office is still open and because there is still a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. And that's Jesus Christ today. So it's eternal. That's why there's no recorded time of death for Melchizedek. It's not that he wasn't. Um, it wasn't because he didn't have a father or a mom. It was because these things weren't recorded. Another big difference between the priesthood after the Levites was, remember what I said, you could only be a priest, and especially a high priest, if you were in the genealogy of Aaron. So you didn't really, the only qualification that you had to have to be a high priest in Jerusalem for Israel was to be one of Aaron's sons. That was it. And so we see throughout the Old Testament that even with Eli's sons, you know, how 
They, there were some wicked high priests. There were some that did it wrong. Some offered with a strange fire. So we see that that was their only qualification. Um, not to get too much back into the past. I do want to go forward. But in, if you remember in Hebrews chapter 5, we saw how Jesus qualified to be the, our great high priest. He learned through suffering. He perfected uh, being the eternal author of our salvation. He learned obedience. He learned suffering. And so he qualified himself to be the priest after Melchizedek. Melchizedek did not, he wasn't handed down his priesthood like Aaron's sons were. Uh, he was the king of peace and righteousness. So is Jesus. And so that's how he has his priesthood. So remember, Jesus is a priest after the order of Melchizedek. We're going to see that so many times in chapter 5, verse 6. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. That was David's prophecy in Psalm 110. So we're going to see that. And so when I talk about Melchizedek and, I'm talk, and the priesthood, I'm talking also about Jesus. Uh, that is the priesthood that Jesus is in the order of. So... Significant to the Jews is here they're reminded that Father Abraham not only recognized but offered tithes to a different type of priest. So if you're somebody who's a Jew and you have Father Abraham and then you have Moses and you have Israel and you have Levi and you've, you've had your system for the last 1,500 years between Moses and Jesus... That's 1,500 years. That's a long time to be in the system of that sacrificial system. And then you say, well, you know what? Father Abraham recognized Melchizedek as the priest of the Most High God and offered tithes to him. Now, we're going to talk more about that, just how significant that is. Uh, so, yes, Father Abraham, he recognized Melchizedek as a priest. So we also see... Um, like I said, the, in verse 3, without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life. So we also see that one huge difference was the Melchizedekian priesthood is eternal. There is no end of life. Uh, with Aaron, sons, the, the Aaron, the priests after the order of Aaron, they died. But, this office was made like unto the Son of God, abideth the priest continually. So, I also, I wanted to make sure that uh, you all kind of understood. I've been thinking about it, and sometimes I'll think and meditate about something, and then I'll say it quickly, and then not reiterate what I'm saying. But we know, if, look at, look at chapter 7, verse 25. Now, this is the conclusion of the whole thing, but, but we may get there. Uh, we're definitely, I don't think we'll get there tonight. But wherefore, he is also able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. The theme of Jesus' priesthood being unchangeable and being eternal is going to be a constant theme all throughout Hebrews. One of the, the things also with Galatians, we see Paul combating those who wanted to go back into the law, into the, to the mosaic things. So, Jesus is a priest like Melchizedek, not Aaron. 
His priesthood is universal, it's royal, it's righteous, it's peaceful, he's qualified, and it's eternal. So let's look at verse 4. Verse 4 says, Now consider how great this man was, unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of the spoils. Now, verse 4, that word consider is imperative. When you look at the grammar, it is an imperative. It's emphatic. Think hard about how great this man Melchizedek was that our great father Abraham gave this man tithes to. And then we see that in Genesis chapter 14. Verse 5. Now the spoils, uh, just real quick, the spoils was what he gained from going and rescuing Lot from the four kings. The four kings fought the five kings. And then um, he went and he got Lot back. The God gave him the victory. And on the way back home, that's when Melchizedek met him. And Abraham gave a tenth of all the spoils to Melchizedek. He recognized Melchizedek as the priest of the Most High God. And then if you remember, the king of Sodom came up and said, hey, we want to give you all kinds of stuff, Abraham. And says, Abraham, like, get away from me. I don't want your wicked money. I don't want your dirty money. I don't want your gambling money. I don't want your, all of that money because I don't want anybody to say I got rich off of your dirty money. And so, uh, but he did give his tithes to Melchizedek, 10% of everything that he got. So think about, uh, Bob, think about how great Melchizedek is. Okay? And verse 5, And verily they that are of the sons of Levi, who receive, and remember Levi is one of the twelve tribes of Israel, who receive the office of the priesthood, have a commandment to take tithes of the people according to the law, that is, of their brethren, though they come out of the loins of Abraham. So think about this for a minute. Remember how the Levites made their living. They, they didn't own land. They didn't have jobs. They didn't do any of that. They had to receive tithes from the other 11 brothers. All 12 are from the loins of Abraham. Right? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob was their dad. So... Levi had to rely on the tithes offered from the, the other 11. Verse 6, But he, Melchizedek, whose descent is not counted from them, received tithes of Abraham and blessed him that had the promises. Now, there are three things, there's three reasons that the Melchizedek is superior. I should have given this to you first if you want to write them down. Melchizedek's priesthood is superior. The three reasons are Abraham gives tithes to Melchizedek. The second one is Melchizedek blesses Abraham. And the third one is Melchizedek's priesthood is eternal. But if you look at verse 6, Melchizedek's descent is not counted from them that receive tithes of Abraham. So Melchizedek doesn't come from Levi. He doesn't come from Abraham. He's outside of Abraham. So, in verse, but look at the end of verse 6. And blessed him that had the promises. That means God's covenant. Remember the Abrahamic covenant. God had given the covenant. So we're not sure how Melchizedek knew that Abraham was the man that received God's 
the Abrahamic covenant, the promises of God, uh, nor are we sure how Abraham recognized Melchizedek as the priest of the Most High God. We just know that's what happened in Genesis 14. But in verse 7, it says, And without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. Whoa. So we've gone from him arguing that Melchizedek is greater than Aaron's priesthood, but now his argument is, is Melchizedek is greater than Abraham himself. Because Melchizedek blessed Abraham, and it's the blesser is greater than the blessee. That's the way it is. So verse 7 says, without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. So Abraham was blessed of Melchizedek. And so verse 8 says, and here men that die receive tithes, Levi, but there he receiveth them, of whom it is witness that he liveth. And there's the third reason that Melchizedek's priesthood is better a superior priesthood because he lives on. It continues. It continues. So in verse 8, it is witness that he liveth. He lives on. He's eternal. So, I mean, it's important to understand the emphasis that's given here, the undying and the paramount priesthood of Melchizedek being the type of priesthood of Jesus' priesthood. Um, like I said, the topic will definitely gather more and more momentum as we go. But look at verse 9. Now here's a little bit. Now this might, uh, I don't think it hurts your head too bad, but verse 9 and 10. Uh, honestly, once we get to verse 11 and we start going through verse 11 through 28, it, it becomes a little bit more easier road to, to, to go. But uh, verse 9 says, and as I may say so. So here's just an observation. Levi also, who received tithes, who did he receive tithes from? His brothers, right? The other 11 tribes of Israel, that's who Levi received his tithes from. He paid tithes in Abraham. Who did he pay tithes to in Abraham? His dad, to Melchizedek. Verse 10, for he was yet in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. So, wow. So, you think the high priest in Jerusalem is great. The high priest from Jerusalem came from Levi. And Levi came from Abraham. And Abraham gave tithes to this priest. Here, that David said, prophesied, would be the priest that the Lord who shall come will be the high priest after the order of Melchizedek, not after Aaron. So in essence, by transitive property, I don't know if y'all are <laughs> into math that way, but transitive property, because Abraham gave tithes to Melchizedek, so did Levi. So did the high priest in Jerusalem. They also recognized Melchizedek as the better priest because they gave him tithes. So that's what that means in verse 10. And that's what he's getting to is look how much better 
Jesus Christ is greater priest because he's not only a living priest, he's not a dying one. That Melchizedek was outside of Levitical priesthood. Now, even before Moses, even before the Levitical priesthood, it was usually the patriarch of the family that would offer up sacrifices before they even had a high priest. This was hundreds of years before Moses came on the scene. Between, you know, Noah walking off the boat and there, uh, Abraham. Christ's priesthood is better than, the, uh, than Aaron's, better than the Levites. He is the only high priest um, that can bring God to men and men to God in righteousness and in peace. Aaron, the order after Aaron could not do that. It's a great assurance to us as we read this. To, I mean, not only was it a great assurance to the believing Hebrews of that day, look, Jesus is better. Jesus replaced it. He's after the order of Melchizedek. We're not going to go through verse 11. Uh, we're going to stop at verse 10. But here is the essence of it. If you are trusting in anything other than Jesus Christ, you will not go to heaven. You'll go to hell. That's the whole essence of it. I mean, again, how were they saved in the Old Testament? By faith. It was not of works. It was not keeping the law. The New Testament essentially has always been around because that's the only way men could ever be saved. The New Testament was in the Old, concealed. The Old Testament is in the New, revealed. It was never the blood of bulls and goats that took away sins. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. The only reason it's called the new covenant is to distinguish it from the covenant of works which God made with Israel and they could not keep that covenant. What did Paul say the purpose of that law was? It was to bring me the Christ. There was never going to be righteousness gained from keeping the law, keeping the Mosaic law, keeping that order, keeping that system, being raised uh, physically in, in the tribe of, of whatever tribe you're, you're raised in, being of national Israel, there was never salvation in those things. It's always been by God's grace through faith in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Now, the things that they were in were all pointing to his dear son who would come. Who would come. And that's what God said. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son. He is the heir of all things. He's the creator of all things. All things point to him. So yeah, I mean, without being cruel, if you're still in Judaism, if you're an Orthodox Jew, your religion is a picture. Your whole religion's a picture. You're in the shadows of who did come. And it is only through him and his shed blood where we're saved. I pray the Lord's richly blessed you. Heavenly Father, thank you for... This time of study, thank you, Lord, for your, your grace and your goodness to us. Lord, what a marvelous thing it is. Just to open up your scripture and to just ponder at your wisdom and your love to us. And, Father, your faithfulness through all these years to us. The faithfulness to your word. Father, we do pray for each one here tonight as, as we all go our separate ways. That you'll just bless each heart. Father, may we bring honor and glory to you in our lives where we may point others to Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name.
name I pray. Amen.